May the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A key aspect in leading well is knowing how and when to step back. Being able to graciously hand the reins over to another because the time has come for someone else to lead things. We briefly spoke last week about the awkwardness of a transition period even when all parties involved are good and faithful leaders. And now, that time has officially come for Samuel. Despite his warnings, the people continued to demand for a king, and the Lord has chosen Saul. It's time for Samuel to step back. And chapter 12 is his final address to all the people. He'll have more work to do, as, as we'll see, but... Chapter 12 is, is something like his swan song, his final official instructions. And so what does he do with it? He gives the people a lesson in faithfulness. The people had lacked faithfulness to the Lord, so they asked for a king, and now they have a king, and so remaining faithful to the Lord is only going to get more challenging. Faithfulness, Samuel teaches, is what the people will need for things to go well. And his lesson in the necessity of faithfulness plays out in the form of a warning, an example, and a call. First, the warning. From our context, leading up to chapter 12, we know that the town of Jabesh was being attacked by one of the enemies of Israel, Nahash the Ammonite. And it appears as though the town is ready to give in and be defeated. But King Saul arrives and immediately he goes to work. He rallies the people and routs Nahash and his troops. We're told at the end of chapter 11 that Saul led the people back to the town of Jabesh. He renewed the kingdom there. And all the men of Israel rejoiced. This is a great moment. And it seems to be a sign of great moments to come. They have their king. So it must have been strange for those gathered when Samuel stands up to give them a history lesson. The people are celebrating and then here comes Killjoy Samuel coming in with the moral of the story. Right? There's always that guy. Right? There's always that guy around when things are going well. Just to, just to bring you down a notch, right? Well, actually, sometimes it's a blessing to have that guy around. Because the truth is, it's easier to lose our faithfulness in good times than in challenging times. When things are humming right along, it's easy to forget that the blessings we are experiencing come from the Lord and not from our own hands. And that they can be easily stripped away from us. 
Now, at a time like what we're living through right now, this seems to be an unnecessary lesson, doesn't it? <laughs> After all, we've had much of what we've trusted in ripped away from us this past year and a few months now. But I'm confident that better days are ahead. That seems to be the way things are, are trending. And it will be all too easy during those days to live without faithfulness, without realizing our need for the Lord because things will be good. The history lesson from the church is that the gospel has almost always spread more quickly and easily in places that know their needs rather than in the comfortable societies. And the West has been a pretty comfortable society for a long time now. And sure enough, we have seen a decline in faithfulness. It almost always happens that way. Why? Why does that happen? Well, I think Samuel's history lesson helps us to see why. There's an ongoing pattern in Israel's history. The people face a struggle. They cry out to the Lord. The Lord raises up a leader, and through that leader, he delivers the people. It's the pattern that Samuel lays out in verses 6 through 15. Right? It starts with the people in slavery in Egypt. They cry out to the Lord. He raises up Moses and Aaron, who lead the people out of bondage and toward the promised land. Eventually, the people enter the promised land, and life is good. And they forget the Lord. The sin of sins. They forget the Lord. They begin to chase after pagan deities and make themselves like all the nations. The other nations, in turn, begin to oppress and conquer Israel. And so the people cry out again. And what does the Lord do? He raises up judges over and over again. And the early prophets and the people are delivered time and time again. Wash rinse, repeat. It just keeps happening. The Lord delivers over and over again. And after his deliverance, there's a, a spark of faithfulness. But that spark fades over time as people live in relative comfort, as they forget the challenges of days gone by. They forget their need. The comfort turns into complacency and we begin to forget where these blessed times have come from. It was true in the time of Moses and Aaron. It's true in the time of Samuel and it's true in our time. Coming out of the challenges of, the, of World War II into the post-World War II period, there was a spark of faithfulness. And then over time it dwindled. Then the challenge of 9-11 Immediately in the aftermath, again, a spark of faithfulness. And then it quickly dwindled. It is that sort of response that Samuel is trying to keep the people from committing. And their pitfall might even be bigger than the ones faced in the previous generations because there's a key difference here. What they have done seems slightly different, but it is, it is massive. Something's changed and not for the better. Verse 12, Samuel says, 
And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was king. Rather than cry out to the Lord, as the people have in the past, they cry out for a king. They want a different king, a human king. They've skipped right past the Lord. And look, the king wins, right? He defeats the enemy of Israel. He must be doing something right then. The king has delivered. Do we see the problem that can develop here? Do we see where this will lead? This is a moment that is even more dangerous for the people than the ones of the past that Samuel mentioned. Because the people believe that deliverance came from the hand of Saul and not from the hand of the Lord. They cried out for a king to fight for them and deliver them, and so it is the king they will honor. Instead of sparking a period of faithfulness, they could easily move right into a period of idolatry and faithlessness. And they won't recognize it without the warning. Because all too easily, the surface level of things is all we notice. Things look good at that top level. Everything's got its shiny coat. And it looks wonderful. And that's what we look at. Not what lies beneath. And so we get a false image of what is actually happening. On the surface it appears to be going swimmingly, but then you dig a little deeper and the roots are rotting. Isn't this so often the case? Isn't this what we see all the time? We see those picture-perfect lives, those neatly curated images of what we want people to see. And, and the response is, man, they've got it all together. But just underneath that veneer of perfection is a person who is drowning in sin. They're like the duck who, when we see them from above the waterline, appear peaceful and serene, but underneath are kicking with all they got just to keep going. And the antidote to all of that is faithfulness. Verse 14, If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if both you and the King who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. Faithfulness to God changes everything. You might think it's the king that delivers, but guess what? He answers to the Lord as well. Faithfulness to God changes everything. And Samuel's not promising that every moment of every life will be perfect because they're faithful, but rather the overall course of things will go well because being faithful is seeking to honor God with our lives. As we ask the Lord by the Holy Spirit to keep us faithful to Him, we begin to see it play out in our lives. The way we handle things changes. The way we act and speak, even the way we think, changes. It becomes more in line with our Lord. 
One of the ways that I actually see faithfulness growing in my life is that I more easily recognize when I'm not being faithful. When I dishonor the Lord with the time He has given me, and certainly when I speak in a way that is not faithful. And the thing that opens my eyes most to that is by looking at who I give credit to when things go well. Because I can be just like the people of Israel here. Giving credit for blessing due to my wonderful decision making. Or a period of peace to to having the right leadership. My heart can easily be like the people here. We asked for a king. The king won the battle. Way to go, king. And so Samuel warns the people. Don't forget. It is the Lord we are called to be faithful to. Friends of St. Aidan's, when our situation as as a society right now turns around, when the days get brighter, will we see an increase in faithfulness? Will we acknowledge that it is the Lord who leads us through these days? And will we be sustained in our faithfulness? It's only by looking to the Lord. You see, for Christians, it's the Holy Spirit who now plays the role that Samuel has taken on here. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. He testifies to us. Hey, don't forget that the food on your table, the roof over your head, all of these blessings you have in your life, these are gifts from the Lord. And so it's Him you need to be faithful to. It's Him that you need to honor. It's Him you need to give thanks and praise to for the blessings that you have, even in difficult days like this. Maybe in a difficult day like this, it's even more easy to see the way that the Lord is moving, the way the Lord is blessing us. And so we need to be giving thanks to Him for that. We need to give Him the honor due His name. Because the alternative would drive us further away from the Lord. Now to drive this warning home, Samuel gives an example. He gives an example in a display of the Lord's awesome power. Verse 17, Samuel points out that that the time that they are living in that moment is the wheat harvest. Now why does this matter? Why do we care that it's the wheat harvest? Well, it means that rain would not have been common at all. It's the dry season. During this time, Samuel calls upon the Lord and a thunderstorm breaks out. Well, why does he do that? Well, he's showing the people just who it is that they've rejected. You see, in asking for a king and in giving the king the credit for the good times that they anticipate, they have rejected the power and authority of the Lord. Israel has had some impressive leaders in their history. There's no doubt about that. They've had Moses and Aaron and Joshua, Samuel himself. And and even up to this point, this Saul guy seems to be doing pretty well, although that's going to change in a hurry. So it's as if Samuel is saying, you could have the best, the most influential, the most powerful king, but you know what he can't do? This. He can't bring a thunderstorm. He can't bring the wind and the rain. Even in the the wet season, he can't do that. Certainly not in the dry one. Only the divine can do that. Only the Father can. 
By the way, just as a side note, this is why Mark tells us that the disciples were so afraid when Jesus stilled the storm with a word. When they're in that boat with him, we like to think about Jesus, you know, stealing the storms of our lives, right? But that's not the initial response the, the apostles had. They were terrified. And they were terrified because they see firsthand the power of the divine. The awesome power of God put on display as nature, the weather, is under his authority. Not a word. Samuel's example, the downpour the Lord brings, is meant to say to the people, that is who you have rejected as king over your life. And they're rightly terrified. And they cry to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. You see, at that point, they finally get it. They get that their sin deserves death. They get that they have set aside the one who holds the power of nature in his hand. The one who raises up and brings low for his namesake. And the result of that rejection is death. Samuel uses this powerful example to drive home the point that the people, the people of Israel, none of us, have been faithful to this God who could wipe the world away with a breath. That is how serious the problem is. That is how serious faithlessness is. The wages of sin is death, Paul tells us in Romans 6. But, the story doesn't end there, does it? With Jesus, the story never ends with the problem, but with the offer of the perfect solution. It ends with the call. Right, we had the warning, the example, and now the call. The people are desperate. And Samuel doesn't sugarcoat things. You have done all this evil, he says. And make no mistake, friends, that is what sin is. It is evil. The Israelites, we who live in this day and time, all of us have committed all this evil by sinning against the Lord. And yet, the call to the people is the same as the call that comes to us. Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. But the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. The people have rejected the Lord as king over their nation and their lives. In this way, they embody the sin of all of us. We all desire to rule over ourselves and to be faithful to ourselves alone. And yet the Lord does not forsake his people, but calls them. The wages of sin is death, Paul writes, but then he continues, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, his desire to redeem us is so vast and so great that he himself came and took on the sin of the world, becoming sin for us, Paul tells us. All to call a people home to himself, to redeem a people for him. No matter how long we have lived in our sin, no matter the nature and the size of our transgressions, that call remains. The people of Israel told God they didn't need him anymore. They had a king. And his response is plain. You and your king need to be faithful to me. They need to be faithful to the Father and the Father alone. And every time we're not, we feel the consequence of that sin. But even still, the call rings out. Return to the Lord. Serve Him with all your heart. That is the point of Samuel's example. It's not to leave the people in despair, but to open their eyes to their sin and call them to renewed faithfulness. That is the purpose of the Lord opening our eyes to sin. It's a gift. It's a blessing. Not so that we can get the sackcloth and ashes out and spend some time feeling horrible about ourselves, but so that we can have an honest picture of our state without God and our need for Him. It's identifying the sickness so that He can provide the cure. That is what His revealing of sin does. That is what giving the example of His power over things does it's what the cross does it opens our eyes to the redemption that we need and that he has purchased for us and in these days many days the Lord does this work of opening our eyes to the need that we have for Him through the faithfulness of other people. He uses faithful people to call others to deeper relationship and faithfulness to Him. Samuel presents the people with this call and then he utters a sentence that, that I think should shape the ministry of all those who are called to serve the Lord, certainly those in ordained leadership. It's, it's the verse that shapes much of what I think about as my role here at St. Aidan's. Verse 23. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. A faithful Christian is called to pray for and instruct others in the good and the right way so that more and more people might, as verse 24 says, fear the Lord and serve Him faithfully with all your heart. That is what I am called to do as pastor of this church. That is what, in our own way, all Christians are called to do for those who are blind to the Lord. Not all of us are, are teachers in, in the formal sense. Scripture is very clear about that, that not all of us should be teachers. But all of us can pray for eyes and hearts to be open to the Lord. 
The Lord has raised up a people to intercede for others. He raises up leaders to show his power so that more and more people might be delivered from sin and death. And after all, isn't that the very work he did for us in Jesus? For Jesus, the Son of God, is the faithful one who through his life and death of faithfulness made it possible for people to live with and for God. So keep praying, my friends. Keep praying. Keep speaking about Jesus. We live in a time where people's need has been exposed, but it seems as though by the grace of God, better days are coming. And it would be so easy for us to lose the lessons of these days, to celebrate those who have done so much but to forget to honor the Lord since it is He and He alone who delivers. To see that spark of faithfulness, but then allow it to dwindle away. Now then, is the time to pray that the Lord would raise up faithful leaders to help His people remember His work and to continually call us back to lives of faithfulness. Now is the time to pray for those who are not faithful, that having been through such a time, that they might see the emptiness of things that cannot profit or save, as Samuel said, and that their eyes would be open to Jesus, who does not leave us stranded in our sin and death, but reveals our sin to bring us to life in him. Now is the time for the church to faithfully praise and proclaim Jesus Christ so that we might make disciples of all generations who can faithfully share the saving love of Jesus Christ. Now is the time, my friends. This is the day, even today, for the people of God in faithfulness to pray and to help one another walk faithfully with Christ, honoring Him, with all we do, with all of our very lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the call you have placed upon us is the call to faithfulness. And we pray, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would strengthen us and enable us to live a life of faithfulness. That through your people, you would open the eyes of countless to the saving work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for the love that you have displayed through him, through what he's done for us. And so, Lord, we pray that in these days you would not let just a spark of faithfulness happen to dwindle out, but that you would create such a wave of faith that our faithfulness would never end and that you would bring revival through your people. In Jesus' name, amen.